All right, they said uh, that I would come up after the video, so I was wait. That was a very short video, so I, like, I, every time I'm here, I feel like I never quite know when to come up, but uh, here I am. So uh, it's uh, it's good to be back. Hadn't been here in quite some time. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, me and your pastor go way, way, way back. Um, I love him uh, dearly. He is a, a great brother of mine, um, so uh, nobody wants him to succeed at what he does other than God, probably more than myself. I love him. Y'all are lucky to have him. Um, so he asked me to come, and he did me a solid. He said, Tommy, can you come and preach this? You know, uh, Maybe he's worried about what I would say if he just gave me the open floor. I don't know. Uh, but he did say, uh, no, yeah, I know that you guys are in Psalms, and um, and my prayer, as we look at the psalm today, it's, it's a few basic truths. Uh, and it's one of those psalms that if we, if we just read right over it, we can gloss over it and miss these foundational truths in it. Uh, so hopefully we can spend just a little bit of time and look at just a few foundational truths in these few verses. Um, and then we can get on and, and go and, and hopefully take these truths with us off this property. Uh, so hopefully that is the case. Uh, let's pray real quick and, and then we'll get started. Um, Lord, Lord, I thank you for this day. God, uh, a beautiful day. Um, God, I got a little bit of rain at my house this morning. Uh, I thank you for that. Lord, but for some reason, Lord, you have gathered us all here today. Lord, and through our busy lives, we have gathered here, um, Lord, today, wanting to hear from you. Uh, so, Lord, I pray, God, that that would be the case, that, that you would give us these truths, Lord, in such a way that your Spirit would take my feeble words, Lord, and impart these truths to our heart, Lord, so that we can remember them, so that we can live them out, so that, Lord, we could honor you with our lives. Uh, so Lord, we do. We give this remaining portion of the service to you, God, and we pray that you would be magnified and glorified in it, Lord, but we come wanting. Lord, we need you to speak into our life. And Lord, that's our prayer. Uh, so Lord, we give that to you now, and we pray that in the only name that we can, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, so, we've been going through Psalms, been going through Psalms, Scott kind of brought me up to speed of where you guys have been so far, and um, we're going to be picking up, and if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 124 today, 124, if you want to go ahead and, and get ready for that, you'll see it's a short Psalm when you get there. But I think as we read this psalm, we should come away today with, with a few things. Um, one is encouragement. We should be encouraged when we read these words. Um, we should be encouraged because it speaks of the deliverance that God gives to each one of us, each one of his believers, uh, the deliverance that he gives. And now, I think it also gives two callings on us. As, as we get into. So it calls us to do two things with our life. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it. Psalm 124. If. I want you to think about that word for just a little bit. It's very short, but man, what a big word. If. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Now that's a big statement. So big that when the psalmist writes this, he says, let Israel now say, and he repeats, he says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, then when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, the waters would have overwhelmed us. 
the stream would have gone over our soul, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Short song. Very easily, we could just go right over it and say, yeah, God had not done this. You know, he's talking about the water, you know. You could be thinking about the Red Sea, the times at the Jordan, all these different things. You know, we know that this is a psalm, and we, we can think about all the things that, that David endured and that he, he lived through. But I want to focus in real quick on if. As I said before, that's a big word, if. And he goes on, he says, if the Lord had not been on our side. That got me thinking. What if, what if God had never been on my side? What if, you did not know God. What would your life look like if you were somewhere else today? Where else might that place be? What other activity might you be in? What would your life look like? Because if, if you're in here today, and you've ever received the glorious gift of salvation, if God has ever made himself known to you, and I say that phrase, what if God had not? It should take you back to a place before God. And when I look and when I think about that in my own life, um, I can't help but be moved by it. You see, when I go back and when I look at my life and what God has, has transformed my life into, before God, my life was very different. Very different. God has come in and changed my life in every single way. I did not grow up in church. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Uh, there might have been little little mentions of something religious, but that was about it. Um, and through that, I lived a life that was like you would probably expect, an ungodly life, doing ungodly things. And most of the time enjoying it and pursuing that. You see, I had no idea that there was anything different but then one day, God, in his miraculous mercy, he called out to me. Just like he has many of you. And I think any of us who's been in church for any period of time, it's easy to forget those days before. Because why would we want to remember them? Once, once our mind has been changed, once, once the switch has been flipped, and we see the light... We naturally don't want to go back and remember the dark. Everything is different. Um, you see, God, when he comes in, he changes everything. And the psalm speaks of it. He changes everything. Now, I want to talk just for a second. Um, words matter. Words matter. I'm aware of that. For some reason, God keeps trying to teach me because I'm, I'm aware of how important words are, but sometimes I feel like I always choose the wrong ones. Is anybody here there with me? Like, I feel like I always choose the wrong ones. Like, I know, and God repeatedly shows me how important a word and word choice is, but I always seem to pick the wrong ones. But with that, and I know you guys are just coming out of vacation Bible school, 
at my church. We just come out of vacation Bible school. And there's a, there's a word that is thrown out or, or, or a phrase that's thrown out a lot. And it's talking about give your heart to Jesus or let Jesus in your heart. We hear that. But I think that that falls flat. Now, we can, we can come and we can look at these things and, and once we know the truth, we can understand that. But I think it falls flat when we just leave it at that. You see, we don't have to just give Jesus our heart because the Bible tells us that our heart is deceptive. It will deceive us. And now our heart does encompass all of us. But I want to I I change it up just a little bit. You see, when, when God called me and he revealed to me that he was real and the gospel was true, it wasn't just giving him a piece of me in my heart. It was giving my whole life. And that's what I'm talking about. So when I go back and when I look at this scripture, and I, 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 it says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And I go back and I think, if God had not done something in my life that was so transformative, you know, it didn't just change my heart. It changed every single thing about me. That's why we're here today. Because of that God and what He's done. And I, I think as we look at these scriptures, we, it's foundational that we ask ourselves or we know if it had not been for God. When you think about that, that should bring about something in you. And I want to ask you today, what does that bring about in you? Because all through Scripture, when I read it, when a person meets God, they are different. And there's more that changes just from where they spend their Sunday morning. Right? So I wanted to make that point clear because I, I can't help but when I read that and I just think about, oh, I know exactly where I would be if God had not been on my side. I would have been in prison or dead. I know this. I know this. So I ask you, have you given him everything have you received the gospel do you know what he did for you and does that affect your life any today that's something that you need to ask yourself for because we we sin right Anybody in here sin? Just me. <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is, so I, as, I, as I'm looking and contrasting life before Christ and life after, you know I sinned before. Now I didn't really know it, not so much at the time. It's almost worse when I sin now because I know it. I've said before that a Christian actually chooses to sin because now we've been shown the light. And we have the Spirit leading and guiding us. Before, we were lost. And we were just doing whatever. It's worse now. We choose it. And because of that, we should be even more thankful. Because we can say, if it had not been the Lord who was in our life. The first thing that, that I think we're called to when we read these verses is we're called to a life of thankfulness. Are you thankful, church? Or do you just go throughout your life just doing your stuff? Or do you ever stop and pause and be thankful for what God is doing and what God has done in your life? You know, I think that thankfulness is the easiest prayer that there is. Anybody struggle with prayer? 
finding time, getting time, getting in that closet, praying openly, praying with your wife, praying with your husband, struggle with prayer. You know, one of the easiest and I would say most effective ways of prayer is just giving God thanks. And I think that's exactly where this points us to. You look at the life of David as, as he's been in this. This is built on thanks. He's saying, if it had not been the Lord that was on our side. And then he says, hey, Israel, church, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we would have been, let, let's look at the verse. We would have been swallowed alive. We would have been overwhelmed. The stream would have gone over our soul. The swollen waters would have gone over our soul. We would have been given as prey to their teeth. We would have been captured, snared. But he goes on and said, that's not the case. That's not the case for his believers. For whatever reason, that is not your lot. You have been saved, snatched up. There was something coming for you. But for whatever reason, God saw fit to reach down and break the snare. To not let the waters cover your soul, but to save you. If we ever lose our heart of things, I think we're on a dangerous path. So the first thing that we're called to is we're called to thankfulness. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. I think the second thing that we're called to from this passage is a call to action. Let me explain that. Turn with me to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 9. going to start in verse 9, that way we can get things rolling. And then we'll get into the call to action. So, it says, <clears throat> Colossians 1, verse 9, Paul is addressing the church there. And he says, for this reason also, says the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Now, let me just tell you right now. I'm not going to do it, but there's a whole sermon right here in this, this other reference text. There is a whole sermon, and I'm going to touch just a couple things, but I'm not going to give you a whole sermon on it. We're, we're almost done, believe it or not. Um, but we do not cease to pray for you. Let me ask you something, church. Do you pray for the other believers in here? It's just a question. I don't know if you do or not, but it's just a thought. Because that's what Paul says. He says, we do not cease to pray for you. And this is what he prays. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What if when we disagreed with someone in the church, we prayed that God would give them wisdom and understanding instead of disagreeing vehemently on what, what they think? What if we actually prayed that they would get understanding? Because we would naturally assume that we have the understanding, correct? You know, right? Like our side is right. What if we actually prayed for them that they would see the light, so to speak? It's crazy. But pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, and that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for patience, long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life. What if we prayed for anybody that way? Please pray for me that way because that whole list right there, I'll take it. Like, I will take it and I need help with all of it. 
You know what I mean? Anybody struggle to walk worthy of the Lord? Man, pray that for me, please. If, if nobody else, please. But that's what they were praying. And that gets us into 13, where I really want to pick up. And this is where the call to action comes. And you'll see the correlation here in just a second. But it, he says that, so, so we go back and we look at Psalms. And this is a, a, a prayer of thankfulness for being delivered. For God delivering our soul. For God delivering us from the things that come after us. For God protecting us. And here we go in, in verse 13. He says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. You hear that, church? Who would agree with me that outside this building is pretty dark? Right? It's pretty dark out there. Anybody ever feel overwhelmed by the darkness? Does anybody ever check the news and you're like, oh, I really don't want to do this. Like, who is going to upset me today? You know, like what bad news is there today? Like that's, it's every day. It's every day. It's dark out there. And we, we could talk for two weeks on just the different areas of darkness that we see and how we encounter it and everything. And it feels overwhelming. But what did, he, what did it just say? It says that He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That's really... That's a fact. The believer has already been delivered from that darkness that haunts us. My question is, are we living a life that shows that truth? That we've already been delivered from it. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Conveyed. Anybody ever seen a conveyor belt? Like it's just cranking it right through. You know, it's just like moving smoothly. God has not only delivered us from the power of darkness, but He's just smooth as can be, delivering us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Right? That's the God that we're talking about. That's the God that deserves this thanks. That's who we're talking about. That's why we're here today. That's why you got up and came here today. Because that God is real. That God who has all the power is real. That's the God who's wanting to speak into your life. In whom we have, here's another reason to praise. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood. Now the gospel is a crazy story. Am I right? Like of all the ways that God could have saved the world, did he not choose the most outlandish story? I mean, from my opinion, but I'm not God, obviously. It's crazy. It's crazy, but only God could take something so crazy and make this. The church. Save people. How? Through the blood of His Son. You see, like, that's crazy. But if you know anything in your heart, in your soul, about that blood, that should give us reason to praise and be thankful. That should alone give us reason to get up like Dave does every morning, or like he says he does, feeling good, feeling great. You know, I've never said, hey, Dave, how you doing? And him say, oh, not too good, Tommy. He might be lying to me. I don't know. I'm sure he's got his own things that go on. But he always at least says, yeah, I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. I want to do great too. I, and we have reason to. We have reason to. In whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sin. 
I have sinned a lot, guys. I still do. But I've been forgiven. And those of you in here that believe and that know God, you have been forgiven. Praise God. No matter how dirty and nasty you are, because you are, we are, praise God we've been forgiven. We need to act like it. He goes on, he says, he is the image, speaking of Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Listen to this. For by him all things, all, what does all mean? It's all, right? I mean, it's all things, for by him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth. Okay? But we got to remember this to get to the next point. All things in heaven and earth were created by him, Christ. Visible, things that we see, things that we look out and see, and invisible, things that we don't see. Now listen to this. In a time of turmoil and darkness and everything, and we don't know, I mean, regardless of where you're at, this government is crazy. Just like the last one. You know what I mean? It's all crazy. But listen to this. So this God that created all this, the invisible, the visible, he says, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that's every bit of it. All things were created through him and for him. Okay, so everything that we see, invisible, that's there that we don't see, thrones, principalities, powers, cosmos, everything that we see on the earth was created through him, this God that we're praising, that we're thankful for, that, that saved our soul. All this was made through him and for him. That's everybody here, that's everything that we know. All right, verse 17. And he is before all things. So now we're talking about time. Time, okay? Let's go back to, to Psalms, right? If it had not been. Now this is, this is past, right? If, if God had not done what he had done for us in the past, where would we be? Well, see, we can see here that he is before all things. That's why we can see that. That's why we can say, if it had not been, because God was before us. Just like whatever you're going through right now. Anybody in here going through something right now? Anybody in here not know what the future holds? Anybody in here nervous or anxious about something? That same God that has the, the, the capability to rescue a soul from the snares. That same God is before whatever is going on in your life. He is before all things and in him all things Consist. Listen up, we're about to finish up. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. You see, this God that we're talking about, this God that saves the soul from the snare, the one that we sit back and we're thankful and we, we think back in our life, 
if it had not been God on our side, what could have been? That same God is the head of the church. It says here that the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. What is that talking about? Now we're talking about salvation. How the church, who is the church? The church are the souls, the believers, who believe in God. That's not this building. It's the people, hopefully all, but some people in this building are the church. It says that they are the firstborn from the dead. You see, when Christ came, he died on that cross. He got up on that third day to pay for our sins, your sins, my sins, everybody in here's sins. When he did that, the church was born. And then, then people were the firstborn from the dead. Okay, that's who God says that we are. Okay? If that's who God says that we are, why does, do we seemingly live in defeat? Why do we look at all the darkness that's out there and feel like it's too big? We can't handle that. Why is the church not guiding the government? Why does our school system look the way that it does? Why do we struggle in society to understand what basic truths are? You see, we as the church, I fear, have forgotten who we are. We've forgotten to start out with saying, if... It had not been the Lord on our side. We forget exactly who God is. Because in verse 18 here, it gives a long description of who Christ is and what his powers are. But it says right here, it says that he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, firstborn from the dead. That in all things, all means what? All. Every bit of it. Everything. Can you think of it? That's covered. Okay? Christ is the head of all that. That he may have preeminence. What does that mean? It means he's over it all. He is over it all. See, we see this darkness out there. And we feel defeated by it because it's just too big. It's just too big. There's just too much. Who am I? What can I do? Anybody ever felt that way? There's some issue that comes up that that probably the Lord puts on your heart and you're just like, oh, I wouldn't even know where to start. What could I do? We're forgetting. You can't do anything. But that same God who has been on your side, who has saved you from the snares who has jerked you out of the swallowing waters. That same God is in control of everything. Does he want this world that we live in to look like hell? No. No. As I said before, this is a call to action. Because we don't have to be afraid of being a Christian. We don't have to. We don't have to be afraid of the snares, the outside darkness. This truth should affect every area of our life. Amen? 
this truth should affect how we parent. If we parent like someone outside of the church parents, I'm afraid you might be doing it wrong. If we parent in a way that is contrary to what Scripture says, we're not making an impact for anything. Most importantly, your children and your grandchildren. You see, I see it every day. We all see it every day. I'm just going to give an example here, but I just thought of it. Has anybody rode through and got some overpriced fast food? And on top of paying too much for fast food, was, was it not the rudest experience that you had? You know, I own a business. I've had many people work for me over the years. Um, people don't know how to relate to other people anymore. And everybody says, you're right. Whose fault is that? The parents. Like, we've got to start teaching our kids these things. I was thinking, it, I was thinking this morning because I actually had to do it my my youngest son, he's five, and he is, uh, he's a lot like me. And we struggle with that. Um, but he's a little mouthy, and uh, he's very bold. And um, he got to me this morning, and I had to go back. So they were going to our church, and I actually caught them before they left, and I had to go and apologize to him. Because he made me lose my cool. That's what... It's what I do when I prepare to preach. I lose my cool with my youngest son. Um, but, you know, God got all over me. I'm like, that's not what I want my son to be like. So I went and I apologized to him. And that, after that, I come back to my notes and I put this little note in there. If we're going to parent like a believer... We've got our, to teach our kids what repentance looks like. When the repentant, a repentant heart shouldn't just be something talked about in here, but also in your home. And we need to model that first and foremost with our kids. If we blow it, we apologize. And what is repentance? It's changing your mind, turning away from that. And hopefully I don't lose my cool with my little one again. You all pray for me. Like when you're praying all that other good stuff for me, throw that in there specifically. Um, but that's, that's something... Teach a kid how to actually apologize and mean it. Like these skills... Kids require more of us than probably what we give. We just acknowledge there's a whole world of darkness out there. Let me tell you something. In society today, we have something always drawing our attention. It's a screen of some sort. Right? We got them. I'm, I'm surrounded by them. But you can't go anywhere without a screen. I've got one in my back pocket. There's screens everywhere. And there's darkness right on the other side of it. You look at it, it's a black screen. See, we should be parenting differently. And we shouldn't be scared of having to do it. Why? Because our God, everything, was created through and for Him. He is over all the darkness. But we've got to realize who we are in that. 
our relationships should model who Christ is in these truths. How we treat our spouse should model this. I'm going to hit this very briefly. But as we look at these truths and as they call us to action. This dark world that's out there that we forget that Christ is above all and in control of every bit of it. This dark world out there. Every single person is searching for truth. Just like every single person in here is. For, for the believer in here, it wasn't until God revealed himself that we knew what truth was and is. How will they know? How will they know? How will they know what God's design for marriage is? How will they know what a man is, what a woman is, what that looks like, what that relationship looks like? How will they know? How will they know what a marriage is supposed to look like? How will they know that we shouldn't kill babies? How will they know how God created the world to be? The people who know the truth have to share the truth. It starts within our immediate, closest relationship. If we're married, that would be our spousal relationship. And then it goes down into our next discipleship place, which would be our children and our grandchildren. We teach them. And then we take it out and we give it to everyone else. You see, we forget. We don't want to offend anybody and we don't want to ruffle any feathers. These people that are so dark that we know are going to hell. They, here's a church word, they are lost. Which means that they don't know where they're going. Anybody ever been in pitch black dark? Couldn't see a thing? I was in it the other day, I was doing some stuff at the church and there's a real dark spot in it. And I was like, I can go, you know, I know my way around. But I got up there and it's like, oh my gosh, where am I at? Like, where's the wall? You know, I was... I was lost in darkness. I had no clue and I was just feeling around for anything that I could grab hold of. You with me? That's what they're doing. They're lost in darkness, just grabbing for anything that they can hold of, seeking truth, trying to find it. All while we have the light switch. We know the truth. Like, well, they look pretty content just fumbling around everywhere. I don't want to mess. I don't want them to get mad at me, help them out. The world is going to stay dark if we don't do something. You see, we forget that God is in control of all of it. Are we living our life that way? That's why I say it's a call to action. You see, church, too long have we been timid and thought about other people's feelings. Our compassion has not drawn them to truth. Amen. Nah, 
Our compassion, we haven't been so compassionate that it drew them to life change, transformation. What we're talking about. To where they get to a place where they say, if it had not been God on our side, our love and our compassion has not gotten them there. How do I know that? Because I live out there like you do. God's in control of all of it. We got to start. We got to fight for something. What is it? I mean, I don't know. What is? What's on your heart? Like, is it, we're at the point to where you need to do something, even if it's wrong. Just do something and let God, who is in control of all this, sort it out. But do something. I have talked with your pastor for years. He has. You guys know he's a dreamer. But he can't do it all. He needs your help. Fight for something. For something. You know, and because of this God that we serve, this God that did all these things, the God that saved us from the snare, saved our soul, put our feet on solid ground, Give our life direction. That same God. <clears throat> excuse me. That same God calls for us to serve Him. And we think <clears throat> that coming here this morning does it. Coming here this morning does it. I challenge you to serve Him. And I challenge you to serve him boldly. We just, in our, in our Bible school, we, <clears throat> we focused through the life of David. I preached it a bunch of times, but looking at it, I was just taken back. And y'all go and, and read the story of David and Goliath, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. But when David confronted Goliath, I can't think of any other time where someone was so fearless and so bold. And he said, listen up, big boy. I come in the name of the Lord. You hear that? He said, listen, I come in the name of the Lord. And he boldly went without fear. Why has that story survived so long? So that maybe we could remember what God has done in our life. And that we could boldly go out and say, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to do this. In the name of the Lord, that God that saved me, that did all this for me and my life, saved my soul. We can go out and we can be fearless. That's okay. Well, what would somebody in the church say if I started acting like that? Somebody might join you. The ones who want to talk junk, who cares? You see... If we can trust that God for our salvation, if we can trust that God to lead and guide our life, we can trust that that God knew what he was doing when out of all time and space, he chose to put you here, in this year, right now, for a purpose. Church, you were created for times like these. Either that or God made a mistake.
I don't think that's the case. If the band wants to come up, we're about to close out. He says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. But listen to this. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us his prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. So much that the snare is broken. You're not going to catch anything else with a broke snare, are you? And we have escaped. Our help, church, is in the name of the Lord. That same Lord, that same name that David charged Goliath with is the same name that we claim when we go out into this world and we take truth and light to a dark world. That same God is the one who made heaven and earth. See, when we look at this quick, small little psalm, we've got to be reminded of who God is. So as we move into a time of invitation, the altar's open. If you feel that you need to pray about something, it's here. But the truth is, you don't have to come to this altar. If God has spoken to you, do something with it. Maybe God's revealed to you that, hey, you know, I, I sit and I think back, you know, if God, ha maybe God hadn't never really changed me. Maybe I give God a piece of my life, but I didn't give him my whole life. I didn't make him master of all. And I want to do that. Well, you can do that. Maybe God has revealed to you that you're not thankful. You forget what God has brought you from. And maybe you need to repent of that and be thankful. And maybe for the first time, you've realized that God is God-sized. And that He is the one that created everything. It was created through Him and for Him. And He has called you out of it to put you right back in it. I don't care what it is, God can. The question is, what will you do with it? 